Well, this is it. Let me pray. Pray that I don't cry. Um, no, let me pray. <laughs> Father God, thank you that we're able to come together, raise our voices in praise and worship of you. And thank you that through that we, we encounter you in our midst. We're able to somehow reach in and touch your very heart. So we're so grateful for that. We thank you that our faith is not just a religion of rules, but it's a relationship. And as we look at your word now, Lord, would you speak to us? May we hear your voice, our wonderful Lord and Saviour speaking to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 12, verses 1 to 3 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So here we are, 12 years and two months after we arrived. I'm not sure how many days, but there we go. And the time's come for God to call us on to pastures new and to hand on the baton of, of leading this amazing fellowship to someone else. We don't know who that person is yet. It may take a while to find out who that person is, but um, God has already appointed that leader, and we can have confidence in that. And for us, well, it, it is time to move on, and for a while now I've been thinking about, well, what about my last message? What should it be? What, you know, last words are so important, aren't they? You think about it in, in all circumstances, of life, Those last words can hang around for an awful long time, so it's best to get them right. Um, my, slight aside, my grandfather, when he died, um, he, he was dying of cancer and it was a slow, slow death, but we knew he was close. And one of the last things he wanted, he wanted to taste raspberries for the last time. And we only had raspberries in the freezer, and we were trying to defrost these raspberries super quick because he was really on his last, last moments. And um, he, he then sa he said, are my raspberries ready? And my mum said, um, oh, they're not quite ready yet. And he used colourful language, but he basically said, the raspberries, and died. <laughs> <laughs> Those were his last words. <laughs> but I remember them. I remember them. I wasn't going to share that. It's not in my sermon notes at all. I just thought I'd throw that in there. Last words count. Last words count. For the last 12 years, you've, you've heard me preach pretty much week in, week out. I've had a lot to say, I feel. And yet I sort of get to this point and feel like, I, I don't know what to say. Except two things came to me this week as I prepared. They're this. God is good. And grace never fails. 
God is good and grace never fails. I was looking through uh, my paperwork. I've been clearing my office in the last couple of weeks. And I, and I came across my ordination service. And uh, a rather chubby-faced minister on the front. Um, but we got our picture in the paper. This is Surrey Herald. I assume this was Keith, probably. He was very up on sending stuff into the newspapers and what have you. But it actually records there. It says a little bit about us. And it says... Um, that I preached, my first service theme was on prayer. That was what I spoke on first. I can't remember what I said. But um, apparently I preached on prayer, which kind of doesn't surprise me because I remember when I started here, this was my first church, my first pastor. I remember feeling totally and utterly out of my depth. Like I, I remember standing here feeling like a complete fraud, if I'm honest. Who am I to lead a church? I'm just, I'm, I'm nobody really. And I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea what I should be doing. So what do you do in a situation like that? Well, I did the only thing I could think of doing. Get on my knees and pray. It's a good place to start anything new. Getting on your knees and praying. And so if prayer was my starting point, and I hope, the undercurrent of the last 12 years. There's been plenty of moments where I've got on my knees and prayed. The finishing point, or the, the conclusion that I've come to, is this. God is good, and grace never fails. And I genuinely think we can overcomplicate the Christian life sometimes. When it comes to our spiritual walk, we can get so obsessed with all the different things that that involves that we lose the fact that God is good, and grace never fails. I'm all for Bible studies. I'm all for um, uh, Christian disciplines, reading Christian books, practicing different ways of staying in tune with God and, and working on our faith, all those discipleship techniques that we get taught. But I wonder whether over the last 12 years I've got so caught up in that that I, I've lost sight of the fact that actually what it comes to is God is good and grace never fails. You see, at the heart of that is you realize it's not about us. It's not about what we do. It's about what he does, and he's good. It's about what Jesus has done. That's grace. It's not about our striving to make the gospel known to our community. It's about getting in step with how God is already doing that and complementing his kingdom work in the community. God is good and grace never fails. I guess the trouble is, though, as we walk through life together, you don't always get to see that. That may be the truth, the grand, you know, the grand sign over our lives, God is good and grace never fails, but in the midst of life, particularly when things are going wrong, sometimes it's hard to see that. There have been times over the last 12 years when it's been really hard to see that God is good where it seems we've tried so much stuff with so little success. Where as much as we try to live in that truth, the relationships that we have get strained and there's fallout and all those things that accompany being community. The hardest times have been when it appeared we, made, we were making no impact in the community. That we, yes, we were doing all this stuff here on a Sunday morning, but what difference does it actually make to people's lives out there? I think 
I think those times, I think it's true for us as a church. I've, I've experienced that personally when I've been going through the motions of being a minister and feeling, well, what, what, actually, what difference does it make? And over the last 12 years, there's been these, these big, big seasons of wilderness where God seems incredibly absent, when God just doesn't seem to turn up despite my best efforts to persuade him. Despite all the faith that I try and put in place and the expectations. I remember very early on in, in my ministry here, I can share this because it's not anyone associated with the church, but someone within the church had a friend who basically was suicidal. And uh, so the person in the church came to me and said, would you please meet with this person? Because they're at their wit's end. I was, this, as I say, this was very early on when I started. So I didn't really have a clue. You don't get trained how to counsel someone who's suicidal at Bible college. They just teach you how to read the Bible more than anything else. I was like, well, I guess this is what ministers do, isn't it? So I agreed. I went round to this person's house. And they, they were utterly desperate. And I spent, I reckon, a good hour talking to them. And during that time, I shared the gospel as simply as I could, as clearly as I could. Having shared the gospel, this was all done in faith, you know, my heart was pounding all this time. Having shared the gospel, I said, look, do you want to pray a prayer of salvation? I remember sharing my testimony as a way of, 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 of saying what's possible. And I said, do you want to pray a prayer of salvation? And the person looked at me and went, yeah, I think I do. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. This is so cool. Okay, so I prayed the very best prayer of salvation I could. I just prayed each line. I said, in your heart, I'll just pause after each line, and, and you say it in your, in your heart. And the person went very still and very calm, and I prayed and I prayed. I got to the end of the prayer. I opened my eyes, and I looked at her, and I said, how do you feel? She went, can you tell me how to kill myself, please? And I remember getting in the car to drive away and raging at God. How dare you put me in that situation where I had to step out of faith. I was so far out of my comfort zone and you did not turn up. What do you do in a situation like that? It was one of the, I really, it was one of the darkest nights of the soul I've had in ministry. When you do everything you're supposed to do. You step out in faith, you take risks, and God just doesn't seem to turn up. The perfect opportunity for God to turn up, and he seemingly didn't. And yet, our faith tells us God is good. And not just God is good, God is good all the time. So somehow, even in the midst of that situation where God seems so absent... We have to hold on to the fact that God is good. I don't know what happened beyond that point. I never met the person again, never had any contact with them again. I don't know whether a week later their lives were utterly transformed. But in that moment, I felt very let down and it, I struggled to see the goodness of God. But that's, that's when we focus in on the small bits. Actually, when we take a step back and we see the big picture... We get to see that God is good, and therefore he must have been good even in that situation. Even though I couldn't, have see, uh, I couldn't see it, God is good. 
and I have to hold on to that. And actually, as I've stepped back in the last week or so and looked at the last 12 years of ministry, <laughs> as I've looked at the last uh, 12 years of ministry, yeah, do you know what? I do see that God is good. For all those dark times, for all those difficult times, there have been many more good times where God has really blessed us. God is good even when I doubt it. God is good even when his goodness can't be seen. And if we take the chance to look beyond our present circumstances, even when we're going through dark times, we will see the goodness of God. And we've had many good times here at ABC. Many good times. But dark times for the soul too. I've seen the goodness of God in the friends that I've made, friends for life. You guys, you're amazing. And I want this morning to honour you all for being people of faith who've stood by us, helped us, even whether you've been here only a few weeks or whether you've been here since we, we arrived. You've all played your part. You've all been family to us. And I want to honour you. And I'm sort of, I'm loath to single out any one person today because I want you all to know how much I honour you all. But I do just want to honour one particular person before you all, and that's Brian. You know, our, our leadership team has, has changed uh, so much over the last 12 years. When I turned up, it was all men. Neil was part of the leadership team back then as well. And Brian was serving. And it was these, uh, these, these great men of stature within the church. There was uh, Brian, Gordon, Mike, Neil, Jerry, and Keith. It was quite an intimidating group. They were the ones who interviewed me. Poor. Survived. But since then, we've had others. Uh, James... Soren served for a time. Florin served for a time. Um, Sarah, Lucy, Jackie, Katrina, John Church, John. And, and I am counting Gemma. She's only been on the leadership team for a month, and I haven't actually met with her at all. But our, our, our ministries overlap, so you count. And, and let me say this, it has been an absolute privilege to, privilege to serve alongside you. It's been an absolute joy, so thank you. But throughout all that time, Brian has served alongside me. And he has served with tremendous faithfulness and steadfastness. Brian, you've been a rock to me. More than you realise. So, so Brian, I honour you and I thank you. I couldn't have done I couldn't have done it without you. Thank you, my brother. I'll say this. No one has a greater sacrificial love for this church than Brian. So pray for him and honour him. And alongside the leadership team, I've had the joy of serving with others. The worship team, Julie, John... Uh, Jackie, of course. There's been others over the time. Sorry? Graham. Graham. Yes, Graham. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. There's, there's been a joy serving with the uh, leadership team of Little Oaks. That was a, that was a, that was a 
a sacrifice and a, and a joy. <laughs> so Katie, Lucy, Julie, and Emma from King's Church, of course. You see, you don't have to look far to see the goodness of God and how he provides. God is good. Amen? Amen. So God is good. It's part one. Part two, grace never fails. The church has changed a lot since we've been here. When we first arrived, everyone was facing that way. The chairs were all in rows. It was really funny. So the stage was, was over this area. Okay. That was the screen. And then the rows sort of started, I guess, about here. There were two rows with the central aisle, about 10, 10 chairs in each row, and there about that. And then there would be about six rows to about here. And this would be where the first person would sit. <laughs> all of that was blank space. Six sacrificial rows of chairs. And then it would sort of grow in, 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 in how much it filled up as you worked back until in the end you had a full row back here and standing over there and preaching to the far end of the stadium over here was, was quite an experience. So it wasn't long till we changed that and we went side on. See, this is the provision of God. When the PA system was, was put in, you see there's four speakers Someone had the wherewithal to think, well, we might want to change which direction the sound comes from. So they built into the PA desk our ability to choose which speakers directed the sound. So suddenly, instead of the sound coming from over there, it comes this way. But that, at that time, we didn't know we were going to be meeting like this. But somehow, in God's provision, he knew. And so we were able to turn side on. We were still in rows <laughs> for a season. And then it changed again. I, I remember we, we started to introduce having coffee, not just after the service, but we started to have it before the service. And then uh, once a month we would have coffee in the middle of the service, thinking about can we be a bit more relational in the way we do church. And I see all that as a precursor to what we're doing now with Breakfast Church and making relationships such an important part of what we're about. A lot of changes when you think about it in a short space of time. And over, the, over, those, uh, over that time, of course, um, there, were, there are other aspects outside of our Sunday service. You remember we had the service of repentance. We dealt with, the, with aspects of the past of the church, which is such a really healthy and important thing to do. We used to have community lunches for the Toza Centre people. That was a major ministry, but that ran its course. And then Food Bank moved in. We have the toddler groups running consistently throughout. And now that's changed, and now toy library seems to be the next thing to get up and running. Things change. Things move on. Nothing stays the same. And no doubt in 10 years' time, this church will look very different. It will evolve further. It needs to evolve further. A church that tries to say the same dies. We learned that kind of the hard way a few years ago. Things move on, things move forward. But throughout all of it, what really matters and what ultimately stays the same is the need for grace. God's grace. What truly matters is grace. It seems to me that throughout my time here, God has worked as, as much despite our efforts as he has through our efforts. And when we see God's hand working, we're left going, wow. This is amazing. We didn't expect that. That's not to say we shouldn't try. 
We should always strive to keep in step with God, but don't expect God to stay within our narrow boxes. He will always go far beyond what we imagine. I think back at how God has looked after us, the provision that he has made for us. Even, even Breakfast Church, you know you're sitting here now, and I know that Breakfast Church was God's idea, not because, well, basically because the tables that you're sitting at now were bought before we even knew we were going to do Breakfast Church. It's just another example of the goodness of God and the grace of God. We ended up buying six round tables, not entirely sure why, just in case we did something social. Next thing we know, we're eating breakfast as our regular worship. God knows what we need before we need it. And yes, we keep in step with his plans, but over and above it all, we need his grace. Grace never fails. It really doesn't matter what songs we sing, how we worship, when or where we meet, how long the sermons are, or who we sit next to on a Sunday morning. It's all about grace. It's all about God doing what he wants to do in his own time, the way he wants to do it. I, I, I find it absolutely hysterical that last week we had six baptisms. It's like I, I decide to leave and mini revival breaks out. <laughs> but that's the way God works. That's the way God works. That shows it's by God's grace and not by human effort. So I want to encourage you in that. Whatever happens next, whatever decisions will need to be taken, whatever direction ABC goes in next, make sure it's always done in the flow of God's grace, allowing him to do what he wants to do. That means letting go of our own expectations, our own preferences, our own ways of doing things, just allowing God's grace to flow. If you do that, you can't go wrong. Grace is the most powerful force in the universe. Nothing stands in the way of grace. Even death could not stand in the way of grace. Death could not hold him. And he was raised to life again. It's grace. Twelve years ago, I preached on prayer. What a great place to start. On our knees, seeking God's voice. And it, for me, in this place, ends with knowing that God is good. And grace never fails. May that always be true for this amazing church. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. Even when we struggle to see it ourselves, you have been good. You are good. And you will continue to be good to this church. And thank you for your grace, that unmerited favour that you have bestowed upon this church. Throughout generations, Lord, you have revealed your truth, your love, your forgiveness, your mercy. And I know you're going to continue to do that, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your grace upon this church. You would lavish this church with grace. May it be known as a place of grace. Build your kingdom here, Lord. Expand the work. May this place be a place where people discover eternal life. 
Thank you for your goodness. And thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, We've had to say goodbye to a number of people during my time here. Um, some people have left for Pastors News. Some people have left to be with Jesus in glory. And as I looked back over the last 12 years, the people that stand out in my memory are the people who, are, who ooze grace. You know, the people who exhibit something of the very face of God. People like Jerry. I miss Jerry. Jerry was our treasurer. Um, have you ever met someone who's more faith-filled than Jerry? I mean, it was a nightmare as a treasurer because you never knew how much money the church had. <laughs> he was always like, God will provide. We'll have enough. What a faith-filled, servant-hearted man. I remember Ethel. I don't think anyone has prayed for me more than Ethel in, since I've been here. She was an amazing woman of prayer. If you never got to meet her, you missed out because she is one of God's angels and she's with him now. And of course, recently, we lost Alan. Alan Butler, the minister but one. And uh, he was such a servant to this church and an apostolic father to this church. Man of grace. Man of grace. This church is surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Grace-filled witnesses. Don't you want to be a part of that, that, crowd, that crowd? That cloud? I know I certainly do. It's been an honour and a privilege to be your pastor. More than that, it's been an honour and a privilege to be your friend, your, your brother in Christ. And while I may, may not be your pastor anymore, I hope, I'm sure, we'll, we'll remain friends forever. Thank you. Thank you for letting me minister to you. Okay. <laughs> right. And can we say the grace together? Yes. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen. God bless you all.